This is an ABC podcast. This is The Conversation Hour with Rochelle Hunt and Jonathan Kendall on ABC Radio. My colleagues and I studied the global impacts of feral pigs. So we found that across the world where pigs are invading, they cause emissions upwards of 4 million metric tonnes, which is about the equivalent of a million cars, if you were to look at the average emissions per year from cars. And this is caused from pigs uprooting soil. So there is a pretty good chance that you have never really thought about feral pigs, that is, unless you're a farmer. And let's face facts, Jono, why would you think about feral pigs? But it turns out they actually have an impact on us and affect us more than you may think. And if you thought they were just a problem in Queensland and New South Wales, Rish, think again, because they are on the march south. And there are concerns about feral pig populations getting a foothold in Victoria, which is fair enough because they can dig up the equivalent of one footy field per night. And there's more to it than just digging up football fields. Feral pigs generate huge amounts of greenhouse gases. Across the world, as you heard at the very top, they create the same emissions as around one million cars per year. So that's four million metric tonnes Per year, John. And the first time I heard that, I really stopped in my tracks. Yeah, it's a bit of a breathtaking stat, isn't it? And so today you're going to learn about Victoria's feral pig hotspots, where they're coming into Victoria, including a sacred Indigenous site. And we're also looking at how we can get them under control, especially at a time when clear air and climate change is in the spotlight around the world. So from sacred sites to the Otways to the towering forests of East Gippsland, places that we love and that we work really hard to protect. Feral pigs are beginning to become a problem. So how do we stop them? How do we look at how they're impacting us? And have you been impacted by feral pigs? How do we control them? On ABC Radio, this is The Conversation Hour with Rochelle Hunt and Jonathan Kendall. They're just fresh tracks and I reckon there's about only 12 in this mob. At times we can expect mobs of 30 to 50 kind of thing, fairly common occurrence. Oh, they can do a lot of damage, like a couple of foot builds, fields a night even can happen, it, just depending on how big. A lot, a lot of the times if they're littler pigs, they tend to play more and can't reach it, knock more over, rather than a smarter older pig staying in the one spot having his feet and going. So they can do a lot of damage. That's just one farmer from Queensland speaking on news radio about the damage that feral pigs can cause. Robert Belcher knows about that. He's a farmer at Bonang in East Gippsland and he also farms on the New South Wales side of the border as well. Good morning, Robert. How are you, Jonathan? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, what sort of damage do feral pigs do on your property? Well, we're at the early stage where we're finding their diggings and... Um, uh, some un- unaccounted for deaths with uh, young animals, um, <clears throat> which uh, bear the hallmarks of pigs. Uh, we're, we're just at the front of where, where they've made it so far. Um, there's been talk of pigs on the snow for quite a few years, but they're heading east. Uh, I expect them to be on the south coast, and if they're not already there, very shortly. I was reading that they breed at an alarming rate, I think second to rabbits. When you're seeing 
feral pigs on on your land. How quickly are they growing in numbers, Robert? Well, you used the right um, description. We're talking about a species that uh, is on its way to emulate. Well, all the invasive species uh, can breed exponentially for some reason. It's because they're in a new uh, environment where the species uh, don't uh, find their match with a predator. And that's the same thing with the deer, everything. It's completely out of balance. Uh, So we have pigs, we've got deer, and we've got wild dogs. And And the other thing I've noticed since the fires, massive increase in wild cats. Okay. And okay. what, I, what I am noticing is we just don't see anything native anymore. That's really sad to hear you say that. Um, how can you control feral pigs? What do you What do you do? Well, given the lie of the land, um, <clears throat> unless uh, I can be provided with a helicopter and a machine gun, uh, we're back to being very basic. I, I live with a rifle in my ute all day every day. In just a moment, Robert, we're going to speak to not only a a landline reporter that's been looking into this, but we'll also speak to ecologists and we'll speak to the National Feral Pig Action Plan as well about what we need to look at doing and how we can control feral pigs in this state, given that it was initially just a, a problem for Queensland and New South Wales, but it is starting to be a problem here. So we'll look at the right ways that people do want us to control this, but we thank you so much for your time. Robert Belcher there is a farmer at Bonang in East Gippsland. Tim Lee is a landline reporter. And Tim, you've been covering this for some time. And I guess we need to put it out there too, that we want people to do the right things when it comes to controlling numbers and controlling feral animals. And we'll speak to many of those uh, that are looking at what some of those procedures are and how they're, I guess, putting procedures into place. But what are farmers telling you from around Victoria? Rochelle, simply that the, the numbers are expanding at a really scary rate. And we're seeing now, say, in the Otways, for the first time, pigs coming out of the National Park onto farmland, doing enormous damage. Pigs also down the Snowy River are extending their southern reach at a, at a real rate. They seem to go really for those kind of delicate gullies and, and watercourses where there's all sorts of things they eat. So they're... they're um, the word from farmers is that um, they're not just in the national parks now or the, or the state forests they are coming onto farmland. And as you heard from Robert there, you know, there's, there's dead lambs, there's things that are probably attributable to, to pigs. They're a, a great omnivore. They eat just about everything. Uh, let's have a chat with Liz, who's in the Otways now, the other end of the state. Morning, Liz. Uh, yes, good morning. What's your experience with feral pigs? Uh, so we're on the edge of the Otways and we're a couple of times... Um, there's a prophecy sort of yeah, right here from the edge of the forest. Um, so it's happened a couple of times over a period of time. And there are patches of ground that have been disturbed and lifted in a way that having asked around, I can't find any suggestion of what it could possibly be other than possibly a pig, which everyone goes, no, surely not. Um, but I, I can't I can't come for they kind of um go under the turf and lift it up. We hear that they do incredible damage, Liz. How long have you lived in the Otways? Um, about three years. And is this the and first time you've seen this type of damage? Uh, it's happened uh, once before. 
Okay. So it was right in front of our house. So it was like so it's close uh, within to where the fence line. Liz, good on you. Thank you. Well, we know the Otways is, is one area that's a big problem, Tim Lee, but we're also getting texts here saying, I live in central Victoria and we've seen feral pigs in the creek. Are you hearing that it's happening around the state? Yeah, very much so. And um, someone the other day thought they were within about 30 or 40 k's from Melbourne, uh, Melbourne's outskirts. So they are really expanding. And Michelle, I think the disturbing aspect, and there's, I'm hearing reports also from northeastern Victoria of, of little populations popping up. And the accusation or, or the evidence seems to be that they're being spread deliberately um, by hunters, or, or you know, and uh, and we know that because some of these pigs have had their ears cut off, and it's a grisly, horrible thing. But they have their ears cut off so that um, the dogs can't catch them, and that then allows them to spread. So that's um, both a brutal and really brainless practice. Um, but there's evidence if you, if you talk to pest controllers. Uh, of deliberate uh, spread, which is um, alarming and uh, must be stopped. It's just horrible to hear you say that, Tim, because we've been talking about the environmental damage that they can cause. Farmers have to try and control them because, of course, they can wreck crops. Um, and yet some people are deliberately trying to to spread these animals. It's just horrible. Absolutely. And um, I've heard it from good authority in the, in the northeast of the state. Um, and there's been evidence in the past. I know a CSIRO study about 15 years ago i did a story on pigs coming in from the new south wales side and those pigs were dna tested to have come from burke and they'd been deliberate introductions as well so that's the other aspect of this that um it's probably you know enabling the spread of pigs at a, at a really alarming rate but it, it should be uh, stamped down there's got to be more responsible uh, uh hunters and um Everyone's got to be aware of, of the fact that what destructive creatures these uh, these pigs are. We'll be speaking with the National Feral Pig Action Plan in just a moment. We know that feral pigs are causing some problems at Budge Bim, which is a world heritage site. This is a sacred site, so this is something that we work really hard at protecting. Tim, given how quickly they breed, the fact that they're starting to be a problem in various parts of the state, is an action plan being put into place fast enough, do you think? Look, probably never, but um, and the pigs' uh, num- numbers will go up with, with good seasons, of course, when there's plenty of uh, grain or good crops, they, they proliferate. Um, and they follow the water too, so that there's good water courses, all the rest. I think one really important and significant breakthrough is a new bait, a new type of bait, a way more humane type of bait than uh, 1080, which has been the traditional poisoning type, other than trapping or shooting. Um, it's one called Hogon, and it's a really clever poison because it exploits the pig's physiology. Pigs lack a protective enzyme to break down a compound called sodium nitrate. And that's just a kind of salt used to preserve food. And it occurs in natural foods. Pigs lack that and it makes them very susceptible to a condition called mesoglobinemia. I think I've got it right. (laughs) And it shuts down the function of their red blood cells uh, and fatally. So that's just come onto the market in January this year. And is that something that then, because often, Tim, when we look at a a form of bait or whatever it may be to control one problem, there's on-flow effects and issues for other species and particular native species as well. No, this is the beauty of this one. It it totally breaks down, which is phenomenal. It's been really road-tested extensively in the US. They're very interested there. They have about a $12 million, million pig population. Australia might have as many as 24 million pigs nationally. Uh, and the, the Americans have tested this on things like raccoons and uh, vultures and coyotes. 
that have eaten pigs that have died after ingesting the poison, there's been no residual effect on those uh, carrion feeders, which is a great thing. So that's the beauty of this one. It's a naturally breaking or, or um, you know, a poison that breaks down naturally with no residue. So it's being hailed as, um, and I'm, I'm sure uh, you'll hear this uh, later in this conversation too, being hailed as a real breakthrough in, in feral pig control. Well, look, thank you for having a chat with us this morning, Tim. Tim Lee is a landline reporter and has been covering the march of feral pigs across Australia and, as we've been discussing today, uh, into Victoria. But if you've got personal experience here about uh, feral pigs, you might have seen them, you might have been impacted Mm -hmm. by feral pigs, and also you might have some thoughts on how we control them, as Tim was just discussing there. These pigs are not natives to Australia, so how did they become feral pigs in the wild? Why not harvest them, domesticate them, says Georgie. Well, Dr Christopher O'Brien is an ecologist at the School of Earth and Environmental Sciences at the University of Queensland, and it was your voice that we heard at the very top of this program, Christopher, because I actually almost had to pull my car over in shock when I heard some of the stats that are around with the impacts, the emissions that feral pigs cause to the air that we breathe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, we looked at the effects of feral pigs around the world. And, you know, as many of your callers today have, have mentioned, you know, they have uh, quite a big impact on soil damage. And this was a question we were particularly interested in because nobody's looked at this question uh, globally. And so we, we used a number of models uh, and simulation methods to look at uh, predicted population sizes around the world, uh, what that means in terms of soil damage, and then what that soil damage means in particular for carbon emissions, because soil contains some of the, the highest amounts of carbon in the world apart from the ocean. And apparently when animals or humans disturb the soil, this can cause uh, massive amounts of carbon emissions. And so for the pig question, we were particularly interested in how um, you know this affects uh, emissions in areas where they're invading. So we looked in, in Oceania, of course, including Australia, New Zealand. We looked in uh, North America, South America, parts of Africa, and even parts of Southeast Asia where they're invasive. And we found that uh, this soil damage around the world is, uh, is about the size of the Netherlands uh, <sighs> per year. And, and in terms of CO2 uh, being lost from the soil, carbon being lost from the soil in the form of CO2, it's about 4.9 million tonnes per year, which is the equivalent of about uh, 1.1 million cars. Wow, that is huge because when you first hear that stat, um, that the, the feral pigs around the world are equivalent to or create the, the emissions equivalent to 1 million cars, I mean, the, my first thought is that we've got some gassy pigs, you know, but, um, but it's, actually, it's actually not through um, the gases that they're creating. It's, it's through soil, soil destruction. Yeah. That's right. And, and make, no, make no mistake, I mean, they're, they're going to cause emissions in other forms, as you say. Uh, and, and, of course, we're just looking at the below-ground impacts, you know, the, the, the actual dis- soil disturbance. But feral pigs have, have impacts in other ways, on, on above-ground carbon storage through vegetation and, and, you know, animal matter and things like this, and then the, the cascading effects that occur in ecosystems that can cause long-term loss in carbon, both above and below ground. But it gets, it gets quite technical and quite complicated, and we, we wanted to specifically look just at this soil damage component. And, of course, you know, as humans, we, we cause soil damage. You know, when we, we plow a field, when we uh, deforest land, when we, we er, you know, urbanize landscapes, 
that also causes massive amounts of emissions. But this is sort of one component and haven't really investigated yet at this scale. This is incredible. When we said at the beginning of the program, there's probably a chance you've never thought about feral pigs in your entire life. And now so many of us are thinking, hang on a second, how is it that feral pigs may actually have an impact on my life? Dr. Christopher O'Brien is with you. Michael's called from Gisbert. Michael, welcome. What did you want to say? Hey, g'day. Uh, I was on uh, landline just in late May with respect to the feral pig pro- problem that we're experiencing. We run thermal drones and, and effectively locate where they are. We've just started introducing the hog on as well to be able to implement that in the areas in which the, the, the damage is, is just quite severe. So what have you discovered through the drone research that you're doing? What, I mean, yeah. we're saying that they're popping up everywhere. True, like 100%. But with the thermal drones, especially in the larger properties, because there's a lot of bushland and the pigs disappear into the bushland, you're able to find it. We locate it and then we can geotag it. We can bring in ground hunting teams or we can also, what we've been trialling just recently as it's just been released is hog on to be able to utilise it to really have an impact on the property but also the surrounding properties as a more holistic approach. Michael, it's really interesting. There's a couple of texts here saying feral pigs are causing real damage in parts of the upper Yarra. They're like mini bulldozers. They can rip up acres of pasture in one day. Are you also getting an, an indication of the sort of damage that they're doing to land? Look, we are. We've actually started employing NDVI drones to basically look at the vegetation health. And you can actually then look at the areas that have been damaged, especially in the large pastoral areas with uh, grasslands and, and obviously the feed for the cattle and sheep. It's, it's quite markedly obvious. And, and have you got any of those um, mobile phone apps that will kind of alert you when there is uh, pig activity in, on your place? We just started trialling that. The problem we've got, a lot of the places we go to, we don't have reception. So it's quite remote in some of the areas. So it, it's hit and miss. It's great technology, but it's not always reliable. However, with the drone, we can cover vast areas, the thermal drone, vast areas. It's quite a large drone. It's not like a, it's more an unmanned aerial vehicle rather than a small toy. And with that, we can, we can cruise around at 60 k's an hour at good altitudes, being able to survey the entire landscape and then I would give you that, that vision and then locate them. I love who listens to our program and rings in with expert knowledge. Just finally, Michael, do you think we're at a point now where we actually can call call it a problem that we have in Victoria? We know that there is a huge issue in, in Queensland and New South Wales, but where are we at in Victoria? Well, there's, there's pigs all the way down near Gisborne. They're in the Wombat State Forest, Lurdyduke National Park. They're uh, hitting properties all around Kite and Malmesbury at Drummond. It's a very, very big problem and it's not that far from Melbourne. Gosh. Good on you. Thank you so much for your time, Michael, um, talking about feral pigs in Gisborne. But, um, Rish, I remember it was probably it was 2019, so when we were um, talking here about pigs coming across the border uh, into the Snowy River National Park across the New South Wales-Victorian border, and, gee whiz, they just seem to have got a real foothold in lots of areas, mm. including the Otways. Yeah. This text, I got a miniature pig for my kids on a small farm, ended up very massive, destroyed huge sections of the paddocks. Rick the pig had to go. That's Ned in Wonthaggy. Dr Christopher O'Brien is with you. He's an ecologist at the School of Earth and Environmental Sciences at the University of Queensland. has been looking into well, how feral pigs affect the air that we breathe. On top of that, Christopher, you've also sort of looked into, I guess, the impact on native animals and plants and the impacts there. Yeah, so, you know, feral pigs are, are a multi-threat species in areas where they're invading. So, you know, as we've sort of touched on today, 
their their impacts uh, you know range from biodiversity impacts agricultural impacts and now we're, we're looking at you know the, the climate impacts as well and um and so at the end of the day you know a, a pig can can have a sort, sort of multiple threats and, and it really comes down to the objectives of of uh, you know what, what we care about do you know do we care about uh, just agricultural practices, and in that case, you know, our, our management methods, uh, you know, might differ in, than if we cared about, say, the, the climate impacts, et cetera. So, I think that the more research, the more the more findings we have on on these uh, invasive pests, you know, the more we can better manage them to to achieve multiple objectives for multiple things we care about. And we were having a chat with Tim Lee from Landline earlier. He was saying that in some areas, uh, farmers are telling him that hunters have been spreading wild pigs because, you know, they, they enjoy hunting them. Um, have you come across any evidence of that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's an interesting point. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the incentive is there um, for, for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from North America. I'm from Tennessee. And in Tennessee, in America, they, they tried a a bounty system on, on feral pigs. And that backfired uh, big time because they found that uh, hunters were actually releasing, they were breeding and releasing pigs so they could get the bounties uh, on the pigs. So it's, it's definitely a complicated problem. It's not easy to fix. And of course, we're humans. We have our own interests. And uh, that definitely, uh, as I say, complicates things. And especially at a time when, you know, we've just had the climate change report handed down to us and we're pretty much told that human beings are at a really critical point when it comes to the air that we breathe. We know locally here at state government, they've been looking at a clean air summit, a two-day summit. How much of an impact do you think pigs will have when it comes to controlling their numbers and ensuring that the air that we breathe is as clean as possible? Mm. Well, you know, make no mistake, the, the feral pig problem is minuscule compared to the the overall human problem, you know, deforestation is at the highest rates ever, um, urbanization, you know, vehicle emissions, transport, uh, industry. Um, so, you know, if we, if we look at the grand scale, uh, you know, the, the, the numbers we present in our research are, are quite minuscule, but it's definitely a part of the, the, the piece of the pie, so to speak, in terms of the human impacts on the climate. This is one sort of unrecognized component that we haven't uh, looked at. And, and for us to have a clearer picture on the impacts that we have, both directly and indirectly, you know, we have to account for some of these things. And, and uh, yeah, you know, a, a, million, a million cars worth of emissions is a, is a million cars worth of emissions. <laughs> yeah, and, and just lastly, before we let you go, Dr. Christopher O'Brien, I just want to ask you about the relationship between feral pigs and fire, because we're still recovering from the 2019-2020 bushfire season here in Gippsland. Does that make life easier for pigs if, if mm. the, the landscape has been destroyed by fire? It's a good question. I, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know, you know, wild pigs are, are incredibly uh, generalist species. They're omnivorous. They can, they can live in a, a wide range of, of habitat conditions, uh, and they can, they can outcompete a lot of native species that would otherwise, uh, otherwise be stressed or sensitive to environmental change. So I, I think it's reasonable to say that, that under uh, global climate change, un, under these extreme weather events, feral pigs will more likely prevail than other species. Gosh, just when we thought we had enough to deal with at the moment, then we <laughs> add all of this news to it as well. Christopher, it's incredible research that you've done. As I said, I was listening to some of the work that you've done and it stopped us in our tracks. So thanks so much for speaking with us. Thanks for having me.
Dr. Christopher O'Brien, this text, feral pigs have made their way to Yandoit, to the Wombat State Forest. They've destroyed riverbanks in just the last few weeks and are believed to be introduced by hunters. That's from Richard there. I'm just surprised here, Richard, how many people have been texting in saying, yeah, we've got feral pigs at our place. Uh, yeah. This text said, uh, says, we've pig- we have pigs on our sheep farm at Bacchus Marsh. We're using Hoggon, which is that sodium nitrate um, poison that Tim Lee was talking about earlier. They are a real nuisance. It's good to publicise this pest. I didn't actually realise no. the extent of the feral pig problem in Victoria. Um, and just on, we were talking about how um, hunters have been kind of uh, breeding feral pigs and moving them around just for, for their hunting enjoyment. Uh, Jeff says there were pigs on Quail Island in Western Port Bay, deliberately released by hunters, huge damage to orchid fields and oh. enormous amount of money spent by Parks Victoria to control them. Well, I think that money will have to continue being spent. Dr Heather Channon is a management coordinator for the National Feral Pig Action Plan. Heather, uh, it seems like you need a pretty big plan. What is the plan? Uh, good morning to you both. Yeah, look, the plan, um, the, the National Fabric Action Plan, is the first national coordinated plan that's been developed to address and reduce the significant impacts that are being caused by feral pigs. And what we're wanting to do with the plan is to shift feral pig management to being more coordinated, strategic, proactive, and collaborative um, rather than. Much of the work that's done now is it's short-term and reactive. And by doing that, we're wanting to support land managers to work together. And there is a lot of great work being done at, at, with, all the, with all the communities and with farmers, but most of it's being done in isolation. Um, there's not a lot of sharing of knowledge and what's working and what's not. So what we're wanting to do with the plan is to align um, the local plans, regional plans, and where they exist as state territory plans and bring them together and we're also wanting to look at coordination even at the organisational level to make sure that we can optimise resource use and the success of the programs are being done. Is there anything in the National Feral Pig Action Plan around hunters and and stopping Mm. them spreading feral pigs? Uh, In relation to hunters, it's not specific, but um, what we're really wanting to make sure here that we've got effective programs. And and in relation to hunters, of course, in Victoria, it's illegal to import, keep, transport or release feral pigs, and there are penalties in place. So it's really making sure that that those... um, the legislation behind all that is... But I wonder how much that's that's policed, Heather. Heather, stay with us, because Peter's mm. in the Otways, and Peter, that's sort of what you wanted to raise, isn't it? Uh, just about the uh, feral pig. Um, I can go back 50 years when I, I recall you go pig hunting in uh, New South Wales and guys were bringing them over the border in, in crates and housing them in their backyards and killing them. And I live in the Otways, and we had a, have to have a heap of them eradicated down here. Young guys thought it was smart to bring them back and turn them loose. So that, we've heard, it's not a great line, Peter, but we've heard the Otways, it's a huge problem. And Heather, we've also heard today that, anecdotally, it's a big problem with people releasing them for hunting. And as we just heard then from Peter, that you know, people are even bringing them over the border. So mm. how, how do we manage this? <laughs> Look, um, it's it's difficult and it is very challenging. Um, so I think with all of this, it is recognising that feral pigs are presenting a, a big problem, um, and there are there are um, ways that people can report feral pig um, presence. So there is an app called Feral Scan. People can log on to and record that information to provide that to um, 
to people like me to then act on and, and working with, with governments and others to, to proceed forward. But really, it's, what we're wanting to do here is actually get communities to work together, so local local farmers and others and their neighbours, to work together as groups rather than individually because, because feral pigs do move in the landscape, as we've been hearing. It's really how we do it as a, at that level, at a larger landscape level yeah. and across borders because they do cross fences. Can people, if people, you know, want information and they want to know what to do, is the National Feral Pig Action Plan, is there a website? Can people get that information that they yes, need? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. The, the, the website is feralpigs.com.au and my contact details can also be found on that website as well as our resources and also yeah. other details of of other programs that are, that are being um, conducted around the country. Yep, Good on, on you. Thanks spot. for your time, Heather. Dr. Heather Channon, she's the Management Coordinator of the National Feral Pig Action Plan. On ABC Radio, this is The Conversation Hour with Rochelle Hunt and Jonathan Kendall. And if you're just joining us, we've been discussing feral pigs today from sacred sites and the towering forests of East Gippsland, places that we love and work hard to protect, feral pigs are beginning mm-hmm. to become a problem. And as we've been hearing today, Rich, they can also affect the air that we're breathing. The, the feral pigs on Earth are creating emissions equivalent to that of about one million cars every year. So have you been impacted by feral pigs and how do we control them? It's been such a fascinating conversation about how many different areas of Victoria we're seeing them come into and how we can control them. But when you think about the air that we breathe, I think the, the it was the equivalent of taking all of the cars out of the ACT in the Northern Territory that's the sort of damage that they're doing to emissions. That's sort of the emissions that they generate and create. And what's, what's really interesting is that it's not through through the gases they create, it's through disturbing, mm. disturbing yeah. the land. But we did receive lots of texts on this, uh, including this one from Jack in Rye saying, I was riding my motorbike in the Otways and a family of feral pigs approached me while I had a rest. The mother actually chewed on the side of my bike. <laughs> And I sent the footage to Feral Scan. Could you imagine? Because they're huge, (laughs) huge beasts. And to have it come up and just, you know, have a nibble on the side of your bike. Luke and Eltona sent this as well because some people were saying that they anecdotally have heard and seen people releasing feral pigs into the wild for Mm. hunting purposes. This is from Luke and Eltona. Wild mountain pigs have naturally migrated through the Great Dividing Range from New South Wales to Victoria and very few so-called hunters actually try transport pigs. You're not focusing on the reality that they move naturally. I hunt these areas for deer, so I've seen it firsthand. I also have a property in the Victorian high country near Lake Eildon, and they are yet to arrive there, but they will naturally. Hunters and poisoning are the only way out of control growth and migration. Stop focusing on hunters as the problem when the majority of them are the solution. Yeah, and, and we should qualify that. I mean, it's not all hunters that have moved pigs around for their hunting enjoyment, but some, you know, some hunters have done that. So thank you for that text. I think it is an important clarification, an important distinction to make. Erin Rose is uh, the Heritage Executive Officer at the Budge Bim World Heritage Site. Good morning, Erin. Good morning. Uh, now, over in Western Victoria, we've been hearing reports from uh, from Gippsland, from East Gippsland, from Central Victoria. What's the situation with, with feral pigs where you are in Western Victoria? Uh, we um, have um, quite a few feral pigs in the region, um, in the area, but particularly along the um, Budge Bin cultural landscape. Um, and we see at some of 
our properties that they're causing um, damage through grazing, tree rubbing and trampling. So it's a bit of a concern for us. Um, it's sort of, it seems to be an emerging problem. It's been happening for a couple of years and um, it, it's, it's not getting worse, but it's certainly not getting better. What are some of the solutions? For those that maybe don't know, Budgebim, this is a, a World Heritage Site. This is an important sacred site, not for, for all Australians, but in particular for Indigenous Australians. And it's an incredible place that we work very hard to protect. So what happens then when something like feral pigs come into a site yeah. like Budgebim, Erin? Yeah. We, we, we have to work really hard to protect the areas um, from the threat. Um, along along the landscape, but with, I guess with, you know the biggest risk is that they're, they're potentially going to destroy six thousand years or six thousand plus years worth of construction of the aquaculture system, um, which is is a bit of a um, a bit of a worry for us. We, um, we we can't afford for them to to do to cause that sort of um, destruction, and and we yeah we we sort of. Are seeing some of the rooting that they they do cause, and and the, just the uplifting and the erosion within the soil is 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 no good. Um, but yeah, most of all, protecting our cultural heritage is is really important for us, and and that's what we're working hard against to to, to protect that. Have you seen pigs actually damage that aquaculture system at all? Is are they damaging no. it already? No. Not yet, no, no, just areas around the aquaculture system though. So lots of our, our properties um, through some grasslands, there's, there's lots of diggings um, and in particular. One of our, our properties, um, they've just yeah, uplifted a lot of the, the soil and, and the rocks along the lava flow, but fortunately nothing on the um, aqu- aquaculture oh, system. Because the damage yeah, they do is, is huge. We're hearing that overnight they can cause damage that can be almost like multiple football fields in, in one night depending on how many pigs you have in that area. Erin, are you confident that there is a, a plan in place and that the area yeah. of Budgebin will be okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I hope so. Um, we've got a very good management plan at the moment. Um, we work close with DELP and other partner agencies to control the feral pig problem that we're seeing. Um, we've got several monitoring systems and control methods um, in place at the moment. Um, so we're looking, we, we do some, some pig trapping, some free feeding. We've got some good camera monitors and um, we're looking at um, sort of some ways to, to for some data collection just to see where the pigs are travelling to. So we're sort of trying to also create a bigger picture and how big and assess how big the actual problem is mm. down here because it, it is a real concern. Yeah. Um, and that's what that's what we're hearing, Erin. It's a concern across Victoria. Look, thank you so much for giving us an update on how the feral pigs are going at uh, Budge Bim, a World Heritage Site in Western Victoria. And Erin is also with the Gunditch Mirroring Traditional Owners Aboriginal Corporation, Rish. We said at the beginning of this program that you may not think that feral pigs have an impact on your life and you may never have thought of feral pigs ever in your entire life. And now it's just a reason as to why maybe we do need to think about pigs a little more often. Yes, indeed. So that's the conversation hour for today. But if you missed the start of this program, or if you know someone who'd be interested in this topic, subscribe to the Conversation Hour podcast on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can email us at conversationhour at abc.net.au. We'd love to hear from you with any suggestions, comments, questions, and ideas for future shows. Thanks for listening and have a good one.